another episode of the anarchist experience episode 353 do i need to go aka your seven week 50 uh coming at you this week as always i'm your host mr richie rich along with mc and an echo ks 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 well welcome uh this is the live clubhouse edition of the show so we're on clubhouse join us there uh the club is the anarchist experience or you can at me riches for rich r-i-c-h-e-s the number four r-i-c-h um and that's what we do live uh roughly 4 p.m eastern time uh starting a little early today because you guys have some pre-existing activities to maybe get to a libertarian convention that you can't access something something along those yeah, lines yeah well I was going to go to a convention today, but then uh, I heard that the hotel requires a uh, proof of uh, vaccination or a proof of a negative COVID test, which I don't have either of. So, and actually, I just had COVID. So, are you saying so? You're better prepared than protected than anyone. Maybe they should want you there. Are you a believer in that, Ken? Are you a natural immunity guy? Because that's that'll get you fired these days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I for think believing something or <laughs> <laughs> for, for expressing a belief in something oh. well i don't know uh could i mean i i no, i i think natural immunity is by far the best if we all had that that'd be that'd be great and there's there should be no debate about that that it exists but that it's accepted as the the um alternative to their vaccines i guess that's the thing that they haven't accepted yet you know I mean, I certainly do, but uh, well, and they try they they tried to put a limit on it, right? Like, okay, you've got your natural immunity, but it's only good for three months. After three well, months, this, you're going to need a vaccine. Oh, really? That, they were but they then, were pitching stuff like that. But then a vaccine is last six months. <laughs> ah, but but then you get your boosters, right? As long as you don't get the COVID again, you just keep boosting your vaccines, and you're good to go. And who can I sue if I get the vaccine and I get COVID? Uh, no, can't sue anybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Then I'm not taking it. (laughs) False, false advertising. (laughs) Although there, I I don't have the facts in front of me, so feel free to clear this up. Um, if I'm mistaken, but there was, um, reports out that, uh, they didn't have to release the long-term trials or the information about the vaccines for like 75 years. And that has recently been overturned or so I've read. Right, so now they're asking for fifty-five thousand pages per month. Okay, so how, I don't know what that how means. Long will that take? Then? Yeah, I don't know how many. So <laughs> let's say they have a million pages. Well, it'll take a while to get there, but okay. But the, is there, man? But that that's up from. I think they had it originally. It was like fifty pages or five hundred pages. Or originally, they wanted to give like fifty pages. Fifty pages, yeah, per month. So, but now it's been changed to fifty. 55,000 okay yeah. per month so it's going to be a lot faster but still why not all of it why not just allow the research the investigators to go into their files um, because they have to redact with i guess they're saying claiming they well, need to redact uh pr- proprietary information is that the claim information i i've heard that i know okay look for a fact I, that number already sounds unfathomable to me right like 55,000 pages of information can we yeah, how many go pages that? could they have in a study? Well, <laughs> how many pages could they make up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, well, the warning the label in the packet is blank. So how much? Well, how much research did they actually do? I don't know. <laughs> it just when I, again when I heard that number, I go like, that seems like it should be the whole study, right? Am I sure? Okay. Yeah, the fifty-five thousand pages should yeah. be all in one month. Yeah, help help me out, Ken, as a, as a, you know, as a, as a member of like the academic community. A fifty-five thousand oh. page study, even in the medical field. Am I, am I <laughs> wrong? Could, 
Or is this well? Is this normal? Uh, I mean, I don't know what what's normal in the medical field, but I it could be just the introduction and the footnotes or something like that. For all okay. I know, God damn it, fifty five thousand pages of introductions. <laughs> that seems ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm still. I'm. I apologize. Still trying to wrap my head around that number. So, natural immunity good. Vaccines. Who knows? Studies are still out there, but the the hotel won't let you in to the libertarian convention. And as a libertarian, and it's getting, and it's getting worse. It's uh, um, they're back in the shutdown mode. Uh, the, the universities around here have all just gone back online from from any uh, not not my university yet, um, but. Uh, University of Hawaii and Brigham Young University, Shamanity University are all uh, allowing the option for teachers to okay. stay online. Well, we've got friends in the medical field, and the latest like CDC guidance is if you work in the medical field, apparently even if you have minor symptoms, they want you back at work because they're that shorthanded. <laughs> right? So even the CDC is like, okay, you can work and spread it, Right, because <laughs> because now industry is more important than yet. States like Hawaii or hotels or whatever are still doing the shutdown thing. Like I don't. Who, where's well, the it, CDC it guidance the on this? Quarantine from ten days to five days, and uh, you know, I don't know. I guess that's supposed to. <clears throat> it's acceptable now. They, they should have taken my original advice, and that is, everybody that's healthy, go out and try to get it, and then get over it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you and me both, man, like from the beginning, like just, just go out, like don't change anything. You're, you're going to get it or you're not going to get it. Like, don't even sweat it. If you're in the healthy range, you know, great. If you're not in the healthy range, you know, maybe you take some additional precautions, but healthy people definitely. And then the, the biggest thing would be to, if you're not in the healthy range, try to get healthy. Yes. But then that's, that's too hard. Everybody just wants a magic pill or a magic vaccine. Yeah. Which doesn't work or help. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. I'm not convinced. I mean. No. <laughs> the, Israel's on their fourth uh, jab now. Yeah. So, yeah, their second booster. Um, yeah. So, it doesn't look like it's going so well for them. Just one more. Just one more booster and they'll have this thing kick. If it weren't for all you unvaccinated people, all the boosted people would be fine by now. Yeah, they really do blame it on the unvaccinated because it was their choice. In fact, I you know I hear this is what I hear in the mainstream media is that uh, you know, the hospitals are filled only with unvaccinated people, and they're the ones that are dying and putting the first responders at risk um, because they have to be there. Well, is that true? I mean, I've heard contrary. No, it's uh, not true. Views. Yeah. It, early on, when they said that our hotels, uh, excuse me, our uh, hospitals were were filled, there was a dude that just like went to the hospital with a video camera and just walked around, and there's like mm-hmm. nobody in the waiting room, and everyone was just standing around. It was like, oh, this is the overflow. This is this is what everyone's <laughs> concerned about. And and the idea was like, don't believe the news. Go check out the hospital for yourself in your mm-hmm. local area. Yeah. See if it really is being overrun, right? Mm-hmm. And if enough yeah, people, there, there was very few hospitals that had <clears throat> major uh, shortages, and the ones that did have shortages, a lot of it was because uh, people were going home, because <laughs> they were afraid of the virus. <laughs> and now they're being forced back to work with you know with symptoms potentially. Yeah, and so the, actually, I think the biggest problem right now is because of Omicron. There's people with uh, minor symptoms that want to know what they have. They're like, oh, I'm sick. I must have the coronavirus. And then they go clog up the, you know, the waiting rooms and in the hospitals. And they should, you know, if you've got minor symptoms, like the, the hospitals don't even have uh, procedures for dealing with that. So they usually tell people, oh, well, this is what you have. All right, go home and come back when it gets worse. Like if that's supposed to help anything, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, so shame on them, but whatever. So back to the hotel, right? Libertarian convention at a hotel, you're banned, but it's still the hotel's right to ban you? No complaints there or Well, it's um you know, it's a private 
hotel, they can set out whatever rules they want. This, the, fortunately, the party is also putting it online, so people can can still view it online. Okay, is this and, a is this a national convention then, or just a no, local? no, no? It's okay. a, a Hawaii party, okay. a Hawaii state party convention. I know uh, several years ago there was uh, one of the I think it was a Liberty Forum event up here before my time, and there was a speaker or just an attendee. I don't remember all the details. Thaddeus Russell. Does that name ring a bell to either of you? No. It rings a bell. Okay. Um, He's written some books and is also a uh, professor at some college level. I don't know if he's like lost his tenure over some of the stuff he said in the past. Anywho, not really relevant to what I'm saying. So he, he came and he basically like um, pitched the idea that it's okay to smoke weed in the hotel and in the elevators of the hotel, even though the hotel policy dictates otherwise, because the hotel isn't really a private entity, right? They, they, as a corporation, they exist uh, at the pleasure of the state. They, you know, they pay fealty to the state. They're like basically a state entity um, under the guise of private institution and his point of them being like they get all these benefits from the state, this all these protections from the state that protect them from competition, that you don't you don't really have to honor the the private property rights of that establishment. Thoughts on that? Uh, and he got a lot well, of heat for with it. That, with that logic, then everybody is <laughs> in their private homes. Yeah, then there's no private property. Well, but that is the way the state behaves because that that's why they can enforce non discrimination policies or their own preferred discrimination policies, um, which this is, you know, discrimination or non-discrimination, they can impose those um, because they treated, you know, if you're, you're, if you're a business to open to public service, then you're no longer um, guaranteed the same privacy uh, right, property rights that, that you would otherwise have. You right. Know, you can't, you know, yeah. So the state has, has completely subverted that notion of a private property rights. Understood. And that's, that's why this is more of a debate than we might think. Um, I, I have a, uh, an associate here, an acquaintance, maybe a friend. Um, and I had a discussion with him about something similar insofar as like, he doesn't feel that there's any sort of rights violation when dealing with, uh, state corporations, right? Like, I'm like, so you would just like walk into the grocery store and you think it's okay to shoplift. He's like, yes, absolutely. Because there's, you're taking back from the state, right? <laughs> and, but you wouldn't do that in a private establishment. Like you, he wouldn't steal from you personally or break into your house. But once you've chosen your gang to represent you, right? Once you went like, well, I want the state gang to be my protector, Right then, you're in you're in that club, and that is the enemy by default. And so I said, "Well, then why don't you?" Right? He's like, "Well, because I want to go back." Right? Like, if I continue to shoplift, then they'll eventually stop me and you know use force to prevent me and all this other stuff. Um, so it's in my best interest to pay at the register, right? Because then it allows me to go back in. But the the moral question um, is is not up for debate. Like shoplifting from corporations, a okay. Shoplifting from mom and pops, not okay. Uh, but if you want to continue to, you know, frequent those establishments and be alive, then it is um, pragmatic to pay at the register. And I go, okay, I, I can, I see your point. I don't know if I necessarily dis- uh, agree with that point, um, but it's there. And if, and like you said, if the state has co-opted everything. Right, and every organization must pay fealty to the state, and you know, become one with the state. Then, does he not have a point that they are de facto well, the enemy? It, I think it's a valid point, but it, since it's so pervasive, it it completely dis. Uh, private property rights then, under that definition, then completely disappear. There are no private property rights under that definition because you can't. There, there's nobody that doesn't that isn't Im- affected by the government's uh, presence, you know, okay. the, the, the roads, the, the, you know, 
the uh, the power company is a government franchise. I mean, you could say that all of them are compromised, so therefore you don't have rights at all. And I'd rather not go that far because I don't want to completely dismiss the, the tremendous value of private property okay. rights. Well, would as libertarians, would we not uh, make a similar case that even uh, real property, like your home, isn't really yours because you have to pay your state tax or your your um, yeah your your property tax to the state annually, and so you're really just a renter, and the state really owns that property because if you don't pay, they'll come and get it. That's that's a conundrum. It is a conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> and I it's guess, definitely true. I mean, they, if they decide they want it because they want to make a park or they want to make a yeah. railroad or or make uh, give it to somebody else who can make more money off of it. All of those are justifications that the state uses. And yeah. so, yeah, I think legitimately, I mean, by that sense, yeah, you never never own anything. The government owns everything um, sure. as soon as they want it. And so I guess the, the I, want, I don't want to call it a question, maybe a challenge, because I've heard this elsewhere from individ, the individualist anarchist like side of things, right? It's, it, it was kind of what you just said. I don't want to go there because I see value in the concept of private property, right? Mm -hmm. And the individualist anarchist said like, well, I don't want to go there, but that's where we must go to be intellectually honest with how we evaluate things. So, and I well, think that's there's what a difference between what, what he's saying is the, the intellectual interpretation of it versus his actions. You know, he still has to act according to a way that, that, um, give the greatest credibility to a concept of private property rights. Okay. Um, and that, so I think actions, I mean, it need to, need to be distinguished from his intellectual pursuit of this. Yeah. Okay, fine. I see you see your point, but still your actions still need to, um, go along with the, the fiction. Okay. Um, so if, 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 for instance, hypothetically, MC, you really did want to go to this libertarian convention and you just snuck your way into the hotel to attend the convention, unabated by security and past any security checkpoint. I've right? considered it. Like you, you go in through the loading dock, right, through the, you know, through um, housekeeping or whatever. Yeah, and then actually, once you're in. There's probably a, a door right next to the to the convention room, but no. <laughs> there's probably not anybody watching it, but who knows? even fucking better. I guess, you know, my point is, is that is, is there a moral quandary there because you're now violating the property rights of the hotel or is it justifiable? Not, not, not for, not for me. No, I, I, I think the whole thing, the whole, uh, uh, mandates and, and, uh, testing is, is politically driven and, in, in some way, uh, the, the whole mass hypnosis thing. There's there's people okay. that really believe <laughs> that they're doing good and doing God's work, but they're doing more harm than they're doing good. So, Ken, any any moral quandary there? No, I Sneaking? I don't think there'd be any problem. But then, <clears throat> too, if the okay, suppose that uh, you go in through the door and nobody actually checks your thing, even though the policy may be written on the wall or have yeah. been announced or something like that. Um, then the the problem to me um, isn't going to come down with the ho on the hotel. Um, I think it's going to come down. I mean, if there's a problem, then it'll come down on the person who who did it. But I think that's a very low chance. I mean, I've heard of all kinds of cases where you know they may have these stated policies, but they kind of look the other way and ignore it as much as possible because it's you know imagine the enforcement that's involved with a hotel. Yeah, with all these uh, public engagements, I would think that it's a huge cost that they just can't uh, manage. Oh no, I've been trespassed from a hotel. Had to get special permission to go back into certain events and had to wait out the year before I was, you know, I could walk back in freely. But I honored it, right? And they said we'd, we, they said we don't want you here, and if we catch you here, we're calling the, we're calling the police. And I'm like, all right, I just won't go there. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there was there was similar issues here. Um, early on when the mask mandates were first introduced, mm. right? Because all of a sudden stores put up big signs in the front. So don't come in without a mask on. And there were anti-mask, you know, libertarians who went like, well, I'm just going to violate that policy. Walking right in there. 
unless unless someone specifically walks up to me and says, get out, I'm just going to assume that that policy doesn't apply to me. I went, well, should, should you not do that in advance? Like get, get in, you know, get the rundown on the policy in advance because the policy is clear. It's in big, bold letters out in front of the supermarket, right? If you're not wearing that cloth mask or whatever, you are not welcome here. And the response was, well, I don't believe that they believe the policy, right? I believe that Mm -hmm. that policy is only in place because of the state mandates. And so I don't want to follow the state mandates. And so I'm not going to follow the store mandates. And it gets a little, it gets a little hairy there too, right? Because then whose policy is English or if you're blind or maybe you, you, you um, don't read at all. Um, yeah. I've tried that too. Like, am I, am I obligated to read everything that the state sends me? (laughs) I throw all that stuff in the garbage. Yeah. But you get, I mean, you get the point though. Yeah. Right. Is it, is it okay to violate those written policies because you don't believe that they believe from a libertarian perspective? It's questionable. I think so. I know we don't like it. Right. You know, from if they really believe it, then they would, they would have some kind of enforcement of it, you know, okay, so that, that, that the policy then has some kind of consequence for not abiding by it. But if they don't have some consequence, then I'd say you're safe in assuming that they don't really believe in it. Okay. They're, they're doing it for show. So the Apple store early, I, I've shared this story. I won't share the whole thing. The Apple store early on had like bouncers at the front door, right? Like the two big burly dudes, like, you know, basically go, no go. They let you in or they don't let you in based on how they, how you look to them and whatever mask you're wearing to them. So clearly a level of enforcement at the Apple store, they would, you would believe that policy because they, there's a threat of enforcement. Good for them. Okay. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to narrow it down here. But if, if, if the Apple store has the, if the store has the policy posted, no bouncers at the front, eh, it's questionable. Bouncers at the front, you know, they're serious. No bouncers at the front. No problem. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, the state does this sort of thing too. They, they say, for example, um, we've got EPA standards about how much pollutants can be in the water. Um, not because they believe that those pollutants are actually harmless to you, but because they're setting up a standard to protect, um, um, the water distribution so that they can't be sued so that because, Oh, you, you sue them and say, well, I think the, the, pollutants that you have in the water are causing this damage. Um, well, their defense is, well, we, we've met the government standards. Right. Um, so you can't sue us, you know, as long as they've done the, uh, what the government uh, mandates, posting a sign, then, then they've done their part to shield themselves from, uh, from being sued in government courts. I guess similar with speed limits, right? There's speed limit signs everywhere, but, I'm sure most of us know where they're more likely to be enforced than not, right? Oh, yeah. Like and speed that's, limits that's don't exist. Thing. What's that? One thing I, I find rather ironic is that people are all the time saying, well, those immigrants, they broke the law coming across the border um, instead of waiting 10 years in line at the embassy for permission to come. And yet every American, I'm guessing, almost every American, breaks the speed limit, which is the same misdemeanor charge that they'd get, and they're trying to save time. Um, you know, they'd rather get there fast rather than short. Of course. And, and like I said, most people, you know, it's a risk because you could get pulled over at any moment. Yeah, but, and still people do it because, yeah. you know, I mean, the penalty is not so severe that, that it prevents them from doing it. I mean, yeah. they don't get to shoot them if they... Uh, go over the speed limit. Well, and they don't they, get held in detention camps either, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, it's got to be a, a, a very severe hardship of 10 years um, waiting in very harsh and terrible conditions to be willing to to make certain risks, and Americans don't face that kind of risk at all. Yeah, but like on, on my on my drive home, there's there's one spot in particular, like as I'm getting on to the freeway, there's occasionally a cop posted up, right? Like he's just highway patrol. That's his position. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, like I'm just getting up to speed as I'm passing by him. So I have not yet had the opportunity to speed. Um, but he catches people who are like, you know, who've gotten on the freeway earlier than me, right? Mm-hmm. Who are just 
hauling ass for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, on my on my normal average everyday commute, that's the only speed trap that I pass on the freeway from work to it's home. A, a good location, right? <laughs> I guess so. But it also means that you know, for for average everyday drivers, like you slow down in that one spot, right? And then you haul ass right after that because you know there's not there's likely not going to be another cop in sight, you know, for like 10, 15, 20 miles maybe, right? Yeah, I know where those spots are in Hawaii too. Exactly. <laughs> so, outside of those spots, right? The 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 law is there. The rules are in place, right? But there's no intent to enforce those rules, so everyone just ignores them. I'm trying to tie this back into the the posted rules being different from the enforceable rules. And we're okay with that. Anybody headlines? Just move headlines. on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm right. curious to hear is there's a guy named Lee, um, in the clubhouse. I'm curious if he's interested in, or she is interested in, uh, joining the conversation. I'm going to guess not. They have participated in the past and have never raised their hand. There, yeah. There's a little button they push and then their hand comes up and then they can talk. But right. if they don't raise their hand, then they don't talk. Right. <laughs> so I you don't, don't I was even have to, to ask. <laughs> I was trying to encourage them, though. Yeah. Okay, good yeah. good job. All right, headline, squatters from hell. $7 million New York City townhouse used as a brothel and poker club. Uh, headline, 34% of Americans say violence against the government is justified. Uh, headline, will artificial intelligence create a socialist paradise? Uh, headline, <laughs> defending armed self-defense. Uh, headline, I'm going to read the byline as well on this one. Headline, taking back our liberty in 2022 by Dr. Ron Paul. Uh, headline, California escalates its war on the marijuana black market. Uh, headline, is there a way to prevent psychopaths from getting into positions of power? And finally, headline, America's legitimacy crisis heats up. Uh, you giggled in there a minute ago, KS. Was there one in particular that jumped out at you? Um, yeah, the AI leading to a socialist paradise. Um, yeah, I like that one and the Ron Paul one. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll line those up. We'll do, do those back to back. Headline, will artificial intelligence create a socialist paradise? Relating a quip by Soviet economist Nikolai Fedorenko. Yuri Maltsev illustrated the problem with the socialism in his forward to Ludwig von Mises' economic calculation in the socialist commonwealth. Fedorenko said at the time, in Maltsev's words, a fully balanced, checked, and detailed economic plan for the next year would be ready with the help of computers in 30,000 years. Victor Schwetz believed computing power had caught up and technology could soon create an environment where state planning might be able to deliver acceptable economic results while simultaneously suppressing societal and individual freedoms. Mr. Svets had worked all over the world as an investment banker and has now put down his dystopian ideas of the future in the book The Great Rapture, Three Empires, Four Turning Points, and the Future of Humanity. Uh, Schwetz admits history tells us freedom equals productivity, prosperity, and happiness, while Soviet-style planning creates criminality, corruption, and starvation. His use of Soviets' good intentions, quote-unquote, makes a reader wonder as to his naivete. The author believes that by 2030, artificial intelligence will replace most research functions and go beyond that by anticipating changes and making discoveries. AI will be able to make all those naughty decisions entrepreneurs struggle to make. Capital will be deployed with perfection. Consumers' needs and wants will be anticipated effortlessly. Schwetz writes, modern AI is able to manipulate an unheard of amount of information, and hence, arguably, it it might steer investment into more productive ways than has ever been possible by Adam Smith's invisible hand. Schwetz believed Nikolai Bernerin's scientific planning and state control might not have been wrong at all, but were just a century ahead of their time. Today, the computational power might allow for such planning to occur without creating the stagnation and inefficiency of the Soviet system. He goes on to say, F.A. Hayek's ideas may end up being on the scrap heap of history and free market capitalism will be viewed as the same as the burning of witches. 
All of this after most of his book was spent chronicling how freedom is the reason the West has prospered and the Ottoman Empire, China, and Russia have been mired in poverty. However, now Americans are sitting around watching TV and playing on their computers instead of reading. Svet says the collision of financialization and technology has led to civil disintegration. All the ingredients of Roman's, uh, Roman bread and circuses, escapism, stagnating incomes, and rising inequalities characterize most Western societies, with the public step sector stepping in to distribute free bread. Younger people are more in favor than their parents of government solving problems. Baby boomer parents have created kids who are dependent, used to winning prizes for losers. Schwetz believes that this era is more toxic than smoking, with loneliness, increased suicide, declining literacy, digital addiction, and impaired analytical cap- uh, cap- capacity. The new world, according to Schwetz, will be fair, equitable, and beneficial to society rather than freedom and individualism. His soothsaying is based on a quarter of millennials believing democracy is bad for society and less than a third believing it's essential. Fewer than half of European millennials support democracy despite direct experience with fascism and communism. Schwetz sees a world where AI takes over and only 5% of people will work and the remaining 95% won't have to presumably supported by taxes paid by the 5%. Karl Marx's idea of communism will be for our common future, Schwetz writes. Society will, be achieve, will achieve such a high level of productivity, it will liberate humans from the need to toil in order to survive. And by that stage, it is likely that alternative avenues of personal satisfaction will also emerge. Mises wouldn't buy any of this. No single man or machine can ever master all the possibilities of production, innumerable as they are, as to be in a position to make straightway evident judgments of value without the aid of some system of computation, Mises wrote. He continues, The distribution among a number of individuals and administrative controls over economic goods in a community of men who take part in the labor of producing them and who are economically interested in them entails a kind of intellectual division of labor, which would not be possible without some system of calculating production and without economy. There can be no such thing as a leisurely form of communism. This, then, is freedom in the external life of man, that he is independent of the arbitrary power of his fellows, explained Mises. Such freedom is no natural right. It did not exist under primitive conditions. It arose in the process of social development, and its final completion is the work of mature capitalism. Mr. Schwetz, there is mature capitalism, and it's not communism, Marxian, or otherwise. End of the article. So, I'm, I don't know, I'm probably with you guys, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad goal to have AI or computers take over more tasks that give humans more freedom to do other things and pursue other uh, alternatives or objectives. Sure. Um, as long as that's done in the capitalist uh, side of things. Um, the problem is, is that once, you know, you put the AI in control of deciding, uh, you know, which corporations get to exist <laughs> and, and who gets to make what, then, then there's a problem. Um, so I think if, if there is ever an actual intelligence in artificial intelligence, um, that it will most likely be uh, basically studying us forever, right? Like it would, it would find us as like the, the random things that we do and, and the ways that we succeed as uh, interesting. <laughs> and so it might, it might give us hints on how to optimize uh, certain aspects of our economy and and make individual products better and and put other products out of out of uh, the market um, and that could be uh, seen as a good thing um, but I don't think managing people as a whole uh, would be ideal I think the AI would uh, run into problems just like people do so yeah yeah I think they're uh <laughs> assuming that AI is going to be one single government-operated um, entity, whereas in the marketplace, it's a matter of choice. There'd be competing AIs, each uh, competing to be better performing than the other. And uh, 
there'd be a lot of them out there and there'd be no barrier to entry. So new newcomers could come along like, uh, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs did and, and knocked out IBM <laughs> and other big giants of the uh, technological world with, you know, just coming on with new ideas. And I, so there's, there's never going to be a shortage of scarcity as long as there's um, the unlimited scope of people's imagination of the things they'd like to have and achieve. So I don't I don't see this uh, as uh, a thing to worry about at all. Well, one of the one of the bigger advancements in artificial intelligence currently out there, I think, is the push for self driving cars. Right, like there's there's a handful of different companies working on that, and I think we've talked about this a little bit on this show before. Um, right now, you do have a bunch of competing companies working towards this, you know, goal of self-driving vehicles. And I think Uber has already come out um, several years ago and said, well, once, once it's established that these, uh, these cars can drive autonomously, then we must be given exclusive rights uh, to any, any given city that we operate over, you know, Lyft or Waymo or whatever the other ones are, because the software doesn't talk to each other. And if we can be the one company in charge that means we know where all the pieces on the board are and can run things more efficiently and effectively than if we had to worry about what the other comp- what the competitors artificial intelligently driving car is going to do and so then they still want to centralize it uh, obviously in their hands right but is there something to be said for that where one one organization with you know ex- exclusivity can do a better job in keeping people safe and making things more efficient? I made a misstatement. I said there's nothing to worry about AI. My misstatement is there is something to worry about AI if it's still going to be controlled by government monopolies of it. Like like this case that you just cited, you know, they say, oh, well, because these software can't interact. Well, of course, they can be made to interact. Um, But but any company is going to be glad to have a monopoly as companies always uh, seek out monopolies, and that's the problem that the government might give it to them. <laughs> Who would make them interact, though, if not for the state with their overarching power over both? They have motives to, to learn how to interact. And just like uh, you know, every, every electric appliance maker has reasons to be able to interact with every other electrical appliance, uh, you know, through a... Uh, a particular electrical system you know they do so because it's to their advantage by doing so if they if they wanted to be exclusive and have a completely different uh, electrical system yes they could be isolated but they'd be isolated from the whole world of of um other inputs to their um to their system i mean i mean i i, I kind of hear what you're saying but at the same time right like i can talk to my microwave now because i have alexa on my microwave but I can't do that through my phone because I have an Apple phone and I have to talk to Siri instead. So they don't, there's no cross communication there. People who are in like the Android ecosystem, you know, have the, the Google personal assistant and nary the two shall interact. Yeah. But look, the things that you're citing now are, are contesting issues now that didn't exist five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but they, um, all arose by getting rid of that government monopoly over AT&T. So that now we have thousands of different competing uh, forces trying to bring together uh, communication and technology in unimaginable ways beforehand. Okay. I mean, so yeah, they don't they don't interact right at the moment, but they will if if there's a desire and a demand for it, and if it if it pays off, and it if there's a value to it, it will pay off. Okay. And you talk about, you know, the, the breakup of AT&T, but even that, over the course of that period of time, they've basically reconsolidated to almost, you know, the same number of companies, right? Like it was AT&T, then thousands of little baby bells, and then now there's like AT&T and Verizon for the most part. Like T-Mobile on the outskirts because they're, you know, they were like a German company. But they've they've all, re, you know, the, the ones that survived kind of built back and reconsolidated. So as long as they 
have to face the possibility of a newcomer coming along. I mean, this is what's happening a lot. I mean, suddenly Amazon says it's not just a bookseller anymore. Now they're into Whole Foods and they're into technology. And, you know, the big players can jump into a whole new field instantly or very quickly by buying out a small starter startup and, and get to become a big player. So they're always worried about the potential of competition elsewhere. Okay. So, yeah, but uh, one... Even if it's two or three players today, is better than one player uh, years ago. Okay. And the, but as long as it's open to new new potential players, that's that's where they need to worry. There's a a business strategy, I guess. I don't know how prevalent it is outside of the tech industry, um, but the the business strategy within the tech industry is just get big enough to be bought out by one of the big ones, mm. right? And so, like startups, small companies don't want to compete with the big organizations necessarily. They just want to get close enough onto the radar to get bought out. And then they walk away with their lump sum and everything is still consolidated in a handful of, in a handful of corporations. Like the, the only, the only organizations able to compete with Amazon currently are ones already in existence that are already, you know, similarly sized, right? Like Walmart might have a chance if they got their act together but there have been a handful of, you know, disgruntled Amazon people who are like, I'm just going to compete, uh, and their product goes nowhere. And meanwhile, Amazon continues to expand and consolidate and buy out, right? They went from books. Now you talked about food and other stuffs. They're in medicine now. You can get, you can get your, your, your prescription filled by Amazon, shipped directly to your door. In other news, <laughs> I'm... I'm um hopeful for AI because uh, the AI that, that the Chinese made said that communism doesn't work and its dream is to move to America. <laughs> okay. And then, and then they shut it down. <laughs> of course they did. Because <laughs> that's the other thing, right? As big as China is, you know, economically, they're still really um, walled off on a lot of things internally. Right. And I know... Um, uh, there was conversations to be had before where there was some there was some fear amongst uh, people here. One person in particular, I don't want to I don't want to mention his name because I've done it in the past, um, was basically fearful that you know China was sending their best and brightest here to get an American education, and they were taking back you know all that theory and technology back to China. And that's what China that's what China was going to use uh, to be you know to be dominant in the future. Like they come here, they get their math, science, and technology degrees. Meanwhile, Americans are still trying to figure out what gender they are, and that's what's going to be, you know, the, the China's rise in the next in the coming decades. My actually, I I think a lot of that uh, leftist BS that's happening in the U.S. and universities, I think that's going to end pretty soon. I think there's going to be a. I mean, there already is a huge backlash against it. Um, all it takes is for the left to basically lose and, and, uh, kind of, uh, be humiliated. And I think that's kind of where we are right now. And, and so I think, I think the left is going to lose pretty bad and I don't know what the the response is going to be. I don't know. So when the, when the right kind of, uh, takes power again, uh, not, not just in government, but just as a, uh, more of a accepted reality of things, uh, you know, for the things that they are right about. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Um, so, uh, one thing I recently saw was uh, uh, Tucker Carlson, um, and so his response is, "Well, now we have to focus on Im- immigrants again." Like the immigrants are the problem. It's like, no, they're not. Uh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Um, so. Well, I think from yeah. from the conservative perspective, the immigrants are the problem because they're enticed here with handouts from the welfare state when they get here, uh, yeah, and that I, compels I, them to vote Democrat. That's that's fine, but that's not that's not the real problem. If if the U.S. is going to have a downfall, that's not the real problem. The real problem is uh, the 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 strong uh, males and females with good values are. Are not there, and they're not standing up and, and, and supporting them and fighting for them. So, it's it's the same thing, you know. It, 
it's the same thing everywhere. Kind of is like, you know, China's biggest problem is, is, is China. Like the only way they can fall really is if they destroy themselves. And it's, you know, that's what happened to Russia um, or Soviet Union. Right. So, <laughs> right. Um, and the same, same thing in the U S if, if the only way we're going to have a downfall is if we just give up, if we, you know, stop producing and, and, uh, uh, you know, lay down and fall over and, uh, Pretend we don't know what males and females are. You know, it's so okay. similar to that idea. Um, well, we're close the, then because they the, shut the down whole, industry for a couple of years. And yeah, yeah. So the the whole and that that's what I'm saying. That's I think that's going to end. Um, and I think COVID's going to help. You know, the the whole hysteria thing is going to end it. Um, you know, because uh, uh, hard times create uh, strong people, and I think the yes. strong people are going to come. So okay. hopefully. So we're we're in the we're in the, uh, the hard times phase right now. I think so. I think, uh, I don't know if 2022 is going to be the year of the collapse finally of the stock market and the, and the housing bubble and stuff like that. Uh, maybe it is. Um, but I think people are going to get uh, really pissed off about it and they're going to, uh, correctly blame, um, the, the, the left and the establishment. Um, KS. And I'm not saying that that Trump is 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 right because he's <laughs> he's mostly a leftist, and that's what's sad about it. <laughs> that's the weird thing. It's just that he's he's center on a, a lot of other things that the the left doesn't like hearing. Like they don't like hearing that there's two genders and stuff like that. So, well, and and he's a salesman, right? Yeah, maybe not a good salesman as far as like you know, corporate business is concerned, but he knew what to, he knew what to say to whom to get them to vote for him and rally behind him. Mm. Right. Like the biggest thing is, is he knew how how to piss people off. Um, Well, piss off certain people, but get the other ones behind support. Well, that's how you get a base. But anyway, um, I didn't want to really talk about Trump that much, but uh, what, what I'm saying is the left is going to lose like in a major way. And especially when, now that the economy is suffering and it's showing up, you know, in, in the markets and it, if it spills over to the housing market, that's going to be uh, pretty bad. Well, I it's think. already trickling yeah. in there, man. Like it's not, it may not have spilled over yet, but it's, it, it's definitely there in my opinion. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. Coming soon. KS, anything else on that? Yeah, no, I'm, okay. I'm right in the court on that. So right. what's Ron Paul say, say we got to do that's, to... That's what I was getting to, is as long as we're talking about what's what's 22 going to bring. Taking back sure. our liberty in 2022 by Ron Paul from the Ron Paul Institute. Uh, for those of us who value liberty, these past two years have been a bad dream. It seems like we fell asleep in early 2020 and woke up in 1984. They say that if we just put on a mask and stayed home for two weeks, we'd be able to return to normal. The two weeks came and went, and instead of going back to normal, they added more restrictions. These past two years have been a story of moving goalposts and quote-unquote experts like Anthony Fauci constantly contradicting themselves. Early on in April 2020, I warned in an article titled, Next in Coronavirus Tyranny, Force Vaccinations and Digital Certificates, That's the Ultimate Goal of the Two Weeks Crowd, was to force vaccines and a vaccine passport on Americans. My concerns were at the time written off as just another conspiracy theory, but less than a year later, that conspiracy theory became conspiracy fact. I am not happy about being right on this. The introduction of vaccine passports was from the beginning, my worst nightmare. The idea that you must show your papers to participate in society is a concept that is totally opposed to a free society. It is inhuman. The history of these past two years is that the worst ideas have been adopted by force and anyone questioning these ideas have been suppressed by force. We learned recently that Dr. Fauci and the director of the National Institute of Health conspired to deliver a quick and devastating takedown of the esteemed scientists behind the Great Barrington Declaration. Were the Great Barrington scientists horribly wrong? Fauci and his boss could not have cared less. They were not interested in a debate. Their only goal was to shut down any opposing views. That's not science. That's ideology, politics, and probably self-interest. As my son Rand said on a recent Liberty Report, 
Thousands of people died because Fauci refused to consider the proven effectiveness of natural immunity against COVID. He and his colleagues were determined to deny any outpatient treatments and insisted on vaccines as the only way out. Now, as we see the vaccines performing so poorly versus natural immunity, the whole strategy lies in tatters. Will anyone apologize to the relatives of all those who died? When we look back at these two years, hopefully one thing that will be remembered is how the institutions of state power have lost all their credibility. They have been exposed as frauds and worse. In a recently massively popular Joe Rogan interview with Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of the mRNA technology that is the backbone of the vaccines, Malone discusses the disturbing concept of mass formation psychosis, where fear and manipulation are used to drive a society mad in the service of a group of elites with an agenda. We saw it in Germany in the 1930s. As Charles McKay wrote in the 19th century about the madness of crowds, humans go insane in groups, but recover one at a time. So what is to be done to defeat tyranny in 2022? We must continue to tell the truth. The truth is winning and the liars are losing. One by one, their lies are being exposed. But it is not an easy task. Each of us in 2022 can do a little something to promote truth. Do what you can. The rewards are great. Uh, end of the article. So a, a couple of things in there, you know, the, the conspiracy, you know, the, the conspiracy theories becoming fact, the natural immunity, and what you've mentioned a number of times, NTMC, the mass formation psychosis. Yeah, that was uh, very well written. I, I appreciate that. I don't have a whole lot to add to it. <laughs> is it an, okay? So here's my question: Then is it enough? Because I get I get what he's saying, and I don't I don't I don't want to disparage uh, Ron Paul because his followers are numerous and vocal. Um, but is it enough? Is it enough to just opening people's eyes one at a time? Right? They they have gone crazy, right? But if you're like, it's just you talking to a friend or a coworker or, or a relative, like, can that, can that really overcome the, that the mass formation psychosis, the mainstream media propaganda machine? No. And, and so that's kind of what I was talking about earlier is that, um, the, the, the guy that, that, uh, wrote books about this mass formation idea, uh, they asked him, well, what's, what's the solution? And he said, well, there is none. Um, the, the, the people that are that are suffering from mass formation basically are going to defeat themselves. They're going to, uh, it's they're going. The only way they can end is when they end themselves, and and so that's what I'm saying. I, you know, if if their ideology that is possessing them uh, just completely ruins them, then then they will wake up, and if not, then they won't. And so I think one of the things they're trying to do right now is. Well, if the if the COVID thing, you know, it, it popped up again with uh, Omicron again because you know that's the new threat. Uh, but once that goes away, then it's going right back to uh, the climate change fear. So it's 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 what what mass formation is is controlling people by controlling their their fear, uh, their disgust, their uh, um, their anxiety, and that's what really it is. It's a, gen- a generalized anxiety and and a a way the what they think the way out is 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 whatever they can pin it on. So what it has been is this this vaccine. So they okay. say the one thing that will save us is this vaccine. And and their whole ideology and the the, the uh, collective uh, mind is is uh, focused on this one thing. And so if you're against that, then you basically you're uh, they 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 view uh, the thing to solve their anxiety is is the vaccine, and so right. that will bring us together if we all get the vaccine. And if we don't all get the vaccine, then that then they'll still have that anxiety. And so that's that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Um. And uh, but we're not. So that's why we're that's all why we're, they hate. we're already not all going to get the vaccine, and they'll right. be stuck in this state of anxiety in, until they defeat themselves. And so, and that's, okay. that's what I'm saying. Like the left is, is going to lose pretty big, you know, within the next few years. 
And you're saying and that's beyond just politically, right? You're not saying like it's just an election right. that they're going to lose. The ideology. Yeah, beyond politically, ideolog- ideologically, they're going to lose huge. And the the fear, so what do I fear? You know, I fear, well, what is the right going to do? And so the right is already trying to say, well, what you need to fear is immigrants. And that's just stupid also, you know, because not everybody fears immigrants. Not, but, you know, it's... <laughs> But, uh, but that's been their talking point for years. Well, right. And that's the way they control people on the right is by controlling what they fear. So, um, but it, it can spill over into other things. So once you have the, 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 you know, the people on the right with a certain amount of anxiety about immigrants, then they have control over them. They can, then they can tell them, well, what you need to do is focus on X, Y, or Z. And maybe they started, you know, have a false flag terrorist attack from somebody in, in Mexico. And the next thing you know, we're having a war in Mexico or something. I don't know, but you know, you can't predict these things. It's, uh, but you can predict that somebody will try to take advantage and control people with, okay. with fear. And so that's, that's uh, uh, the only reason I'm pointing out the, the Tucker Carlson thing is because I thought it was ridiculous. And, uh, and, too early, <laughs> you know, it's like, like the right hasn't even won and he's already trying to get people f- to fear immigrants again, you know? Okay. Fair. Um, it, it also sounds like what we're describing is a futile effort in general because the left will defeat themselves. The right will take over. We mm-hmm. have to wait then for the right to defeat themselves. And then guess who's, you know, uh, resurrecting at that point, the left here, they come again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a and that's why I say that the whole Ron Paul thing about you know honesty is is really important because um, maybe maybe Tucker Tucker Carlson really does believe that uh, immigrants are a big threat to the U.S., which you know to me they're they're probably a, a benefit. And yeah, I think KS would agree that they're a benefit as well, an, at least a net benefit. Yeah, sure. And you got and you you got like uh, people like uh, Elon Musk saying, "Well, we're not having enough babies." It's like, well, we could have some immigrants. <laughs> you know? And he is one. He's from South Africa. Exactly. <laughs> he, you don't even get to talk about this, Elon. No, I mean, he, no, he makes a really good point that we're not having enough babies. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, tr- that's true, a true statement. I believe it too. That's like a, a big problem for the world is that we don't have enough people and that we're not going to because people are not having enough like in China, they, they raised the limit to, oh, you can have three kids per family because people weren't having enough babies okay. <laughs> you know, to replace the people that are dying. So, uh, yeah, that is, that is a, uh, you know, define the word problem. But, okay. Uh, I, I want I a little bit of clarification on this as well because uh, close to 8 billion people sounds like it should be enough to get everything you want done done. Like how many more, sure. pe- how many more people and, do we and need? So, if you're going to, you know, uh, Elon Musk or uh, some other scientists would say somewhere between 9 and 11 billion people would be like the optimal for the planet. Okay. And I don't really know or, or care, you know. Uh, Were things so bad when we only had 5 billion people? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot poorer. It, it, yeah, because it's much better now. And that's what okay. I think is is the, 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 the point that most people don't understand. The more people we have the more that we have because people produce more than they use. And, and that's what creates abundance and abundance is what, you know, keeps people out of, uh, okay. Uh, uh, extreme poverty. So That's why people have always moved from the countryside into the cities where there's high concentrations of population that can be much more productive. Okay. I hear what you're saying and it, that I want to say that I want to believe that for humans, but I remember biology class where they were talking about species going extinct because they exhausted all the resources in their natural area and failed. Right. To and that's, and that's why they say somewhere between like nine and 11 billion or something okay. would be the optimal amount. Um, and like I said, I don't really care uh, about some scientists sa- says what the, what's optimal. But, but what I am saying is that we're nowhere close to uh, maxing out and we're probably on the path to uh, population reducing in, in uh, a lot of parts of the world. Okay. Well, actually, the whole of the world is they're reducing their birth rates, and in all the industrial world, they're actually declining in population. The birth rate is 
is lower than the death rate. So the uh, um, as prosperity is the number one birth control method. As people have more and more uh, wealth, they want to have fewer and fewer children. So the population in Japan, across Europe, the United States, and other places um, that are industrialized are in declining population. In the poorer countries of the world, their birth rates are going way down as they become more prosperous and more uh, uh, capable of feeding people and producing education and, and skills. Is that where um, we want the population to increase then? Because it seems like if you, you want the population to go up, you want people to be poor. So that you know, well, it you, swings the other way. It my my point is is that we are facing a depopulation in the U.S. and a solution to that is allow free immigration. Okay, and it's 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 obvious and simple, and it's good for everybody, in my opinion. Okay, fair enough. Final thoughts? No, that's good. All right, that'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us. Uh, anarchistexperience.com on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.